Welcome back to a special bonus episode of our Gilmore Girls podcast, Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism, where that we're calling uh, Quarantine Queries Part 2. I'm yeah. Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And on this special bonus episode, we are going to be answering more questions from the audience and then discussing our thoughts on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And then maybe we'll be talking about some of David Sutcliffe's random tweets from recently. Did you catch up on Zoe's playlist, by the way? So, a little bit. I'm like, I'm still a few behind, but okay. I'm more or less, I've seen, I've seen like, you know, 90% of the first season. Yeah, you get it, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about fucking Christopher's fucking stupid fucking tweets. Yes. Well, the actor. The David actor. Sutcliffe. Whatever. Which we posted on our story and we got a lot of um, comments of like people laughing and people saying like, what the fuck is this? And <laughs> all that hullabaloo. Um, but before we do that, um, we're still social distancing, obviously. So we're still doing this by Skype. Yes. Um, we hope you're doing well in quarantine, in isolation, whatever your country calls it. We got quite a few comments about... Um, people asking us like how we're coping with quarantine so number one i would just like to say thank you very much for thinking of us very and sweet number two number two i'd like to say i'll tell you how i'm doing not well bitch not fucking well jesus christ that's only half a joke like <laughs> it's honestly like you want, you want my honest opinion really not well bitch okay but listen listen hold on even though we're both not do we're doing semi okay but not really <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> sure. Um, I think we both realize, correct me if I'm wrong, that it's necessary. <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. Like, I'm not going to, I would not say I would relate to the, you know, American protesters who are, you know, mistaking inconvenience for oppression, but it's still. Idiots. <laughs> But, still, yeah. I think it's still taking a toll on our physical and mental health. Yeah, we were just talking before we started recording. It's definitely not easy. Um, but we're trying our best, we're trying to stay positive, and, um, I guess this is, this is our way of coping. Yes, by <laughs> venting to all of you. And to each other. <laughs> I think it's the longest we've gone without seeing each other during, um, since we started recording. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, since we started recording, I mean, you did live in a freaking small hick town for a year, so. No, but I mean, since we started recording, I've been pretty consistently here. Yeah, it's true. So, you know. Um, <laughs> I miss the treats that you that you would bring over every time you would come to record. Right? right <laughs> this morning I went grocery shopping and I saw that because I would always bring Jeffrey like either Timbits or like donuts, but mostly Timbits. Um, and I saw that they now have Timbits cereal. Like in the grocery store? Yeah. Okay, that's wrong. <laughs> they have chocolate Timbit cereal and birthday cake Timbit cereal. Oh, come on. Yeah. Like, no. I'm, that's a no. That's a no for me. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a no. Yeah, I don't know. But I was definitely shocked when I saw that. Um, it's just one of those things, like, you think in theory, great, but not really. For anyone outside of North America, Timbits are these little treats from... They're, they're, uh, they're like munchkins from Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, exactly. 
Yes. Exactly. Remember when we had Dunkin' Donuts? Very briefly, okay. I was really, I was really, really oh, little. You were from, yeah, it's true. It's yeah, true. I was really little. I remember we only had like the last one was like in Dollard up on St. on St. John's. Yeah. And that was the only one there was when I was when I was little. And my dad has always loved Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So remember we used to always just, like drive all the way there. If like sometimes we'd be in the area, but like I remember times we, just, we would drive all the way there because he only liked that coffee. And then, you know, and then the Starbucks revolution happened and yeah. we forgot all about it. The Tim Hortons and Starbucks revolution, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, when I was growing up, it, it was much more prevalent, I guess. I remember people would bring, um, my birthday is in August, so I never used to celebrate at school. But when it was somebody's birthday at school, they would bring like a box of munchkins. <laughs> Yeah, I was, yeah, for me, it was always Timbits, I guess I was, I wasn't, I wasn't there in time. <laughs> yeah, um, well, there, yeah, anyways, so where are we going with this? I think we were leading into questions from the audience. Yes, we were, yes, it was just us saying, like, thank you very much for checking up on us, and we also hope that you're doing well, because, um, well, that would suck if you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and by well, we mean, you know, just barely clinging is fine, too. What we mean is, like, coping. Like, are you coping with your anxiety, with your isolation? You could always come talk to us if you're not. We would probably make things worse, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would I would start being by being very, very encouraging, but I'd probably end up making a sarcastic joke, and so maybe not. Oh, my God, the other day I was like, Mom, it's okay, we can do it on Mother's Day. We're like, Mom, it's okay, we can do it. And by the nighttime, I was like, fuck, I need to leave this house. <laughs> Literally, that was me, too. <laughs> that was 12-hour change, so I don't know what it's going to be like when you contact us, but whatever, we'll try our best to make you feel better. We are um, not licensed therapists. But we are not, but we can still charge you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's get into these questions. Okay, so uh, first one is, what has your genre evolution been since you were kids? So, for example, what did you lo- used to like but not like now? As in books? As in books, as in television, as in music, genres in general. Hmm... That's an interesting question. I can go first. Okay. Um, Because I, I think I've said it before. I used to really like YA. Yeah. Even into my 20s. And I think at around like 22, 23, I was like, I don't relate to this shit anymore. It's Funny very sh- fair yeah. to say that I find a book, a YA book now mm-hmm. that I like. So. I mean, sometimes you do pick up, you you will still randomly pick up a YA book and I'll text you and be like, oh, is she back on the YA train? And you'll be like, Elena doesn't know what's going on with her life right yeah. now. So, she, so she's just reading whatever. Literally the exact response I would give him. <laughs> Third person and all. I'd be like, Elena doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> sometimes the description just sounds really good. And like, it's not to discredit YA authors, um, but there's a reason it's YA literature, right? You're trying to appeal to a younger audience that could relate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just like, I'm 28. I'm like, I don't have time for this bullshit. But it's ironic that you're saying that because um, there's like, there's studies that have shown that like more than half of YA's readership is grown adults. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think there's two sides to that though. I think it's like, some of them are like me, we're just like, oh my God, I can't fucking relate, go away. And the other side is like, I would like to not think about 
adult problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know There's I mean? like, like, yeah. I don't mind diving into a book where like the drama is high school because I need to think about something else for a while. Yeah. I, no, yeah, for sure. There's like, there's, yeah, there's people who read it because they relate. And yeah. then there's people who read it just because, like, they enjoy it, which is valid. And it's like, it gives you an escape from adulthood issues, perhaps. Yeah. And that being said, like, sometimes I go on, like, this really weird, I don't know, like, if you guys follow me on Goodreads or, like, I don't know, because I know some people do. I have, like, periods where I go through really weird habits. Like, I'll read, like, six thrillers in a row. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I need to get off the thriller train because I'm just seeing blood all the time. <laughs> so, like, I'll read a floofy romance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I'll be like, okay, I'll reread, like, a YA that I really, really loved. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I don't know. I go through phrases. And then there's sometimes where I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to think about anything I'm just going to read the mindless, floofy romance. Not that it's not, not that romance can't be good writing, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, I don't know. So I think myself in terms of genres changing, I think I was much more rigid before. Yeah. Whereas now I'm open to a lot more things. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if I read a description and I like it, I'll read it. You know what I mean? Whereas before I'm like, you know, Goodread sends you those emails. Oh, yeah. Those, like, new this month, and they're, like, fantasy, science fiction. Before, I would just skip straight ahead. Now, yeah. I'm like, it sounds good. I'll read it, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like I was, I feel like I'm the opposite of, oh. of that. Like, I feel like when I was younger, I would kind of just read anything. Like, I pick up, I would pick up anything, like, not, like, it could, I could have been, like, 13 and reading, like, a John Grisham book because I picked it up and it sounded interesting to me. Right. Whereas, like, now I feel like I'm just very, I'm much more vigilant in terms of what I'm, in, what, like, what I want to read or what I, what I know I'll enjoy. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like when I was younger, I just, like, I, I was, I was less experienced with different genres. So I would just pick up anything and be like, oh, I love that. Oh, I didn't like this. And I just, like, I, th- I feel like I had a much more open mind when I was younger. And now I'm just kind of like, no, I, don't, I know I'm not going to have the time or emotional width for that. So. Right. Well, I mean, I'm kind of still like that with YA. Like, even if it sounds interesting sometimes, I'm like, am I really going to enjoy it? Because, like, the writing will get to me because it's, I don't know. Yeah, there's, no, for sure. With YA, there's, like, it's it's difficult because, I find with YA it's difficult because you know that, like, this this new book wasn't around when you were younger. So, like, you could read it and be like, wow, I would have really appreciated this when I was that age. Yeah. But, like, at the same, so, like, you can have that experience now, but you didn't have it then. Yeah. So it's hard to like, it's hard to say like, you're going to have that experience with every single book. So you like, you have to be choosy. I find as you get older. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think that makes sense. That might be why I can't relate sometimes. <laughs> what about your, what about your genre journey with other forms of media with TV and, and um, music? I find with TV when I was younger, I was a little bit more open um, I don't know if open is the right word, but I find I was much more pulled towards, like, teenage dramas, even when I was very young. Yeah. But I think the point of that was, like, you wanted to be older kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, when I, I same with the same, same thing with me, like, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily more into teen dramas, but it was, like, 
anything that, you know, maybe my mom will be watching and I'd be in the room, but she would say like, you know, oh, it's like, it's too old for you or something like, but I would, but I would still kind of like see bits and pieces, bits and pieces of it and then like be intrigued. And then I would, and then when I would get older, I'd be like, I would make a point of like watching that show because I enjoyed it then, but I was quote unquote too young. Yeah. You know, I get that. I, um, yeah, for sure. I was intrigued when my mom would tell me something was too old for me. Right. Uh, I think we would all be, but I mean, I think in terms of, I was also very influenceable if I can say that. Mm -hmm. Like my, I remember in elementary school, a lot of people were watching, you know, passions. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Please tell them this story. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know if it's like a story, but like, I know when I was like in fifth, sixth grade, a lot of people would watch Passions. Which is really random because I feel like Passions is like, what was it? Was, was it really popular? Like, I know when I was in fifth grade, like if you weren't watching Passions, you were a loser. That was, that's like super, that's Not like super random. random. Anyways, so I remember I tried to convince my mom because it played right after school, like right when I got off the bus. Yeah. And in my house, it was always like when you come home, you eat a snack and you do your homework right away. Yeah. And after you do your homework, before you can watch TV, you have to clean your room. Okay. So I remember like it would pl- it would start right after I got off the bus. So I was trying to convince my mom <laughs> to like let me push homework for a half hour so I could watch Batches. <laughs> And then I remember when I was younger, it was because it was like the cool thing to do. I would stick with it. And Mm -hmm. now I'm much more likely because, you know, some people even now, like we talked about this when we talked about Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's watching Game of Thrones. You have to watch Game of Thrones. I'm like, fuck that now. (laughs) Yeah. Like if I don't like it, I'm not going to force myself to watch it. Yeah. I feel like I've always kind of been like that. Yeah. Whereas when I was younger, if a lot of people were talking about it, I would push myself to watch it and I think that's part of also growing up you're just like I don't have time for this shit yeah like it's I don't like, have time for people to think poorly of me because I don't watch a shitty soap opera you know what I mean yeah and I think like when you're younger it's like everyone's watch like everyone's everyone's talking about it, everyone's watching it so like you obviously want to see what the hype's about but yeah. I feel like if, even when I was younger like if I didn't like something I wouldn't like I wouldn't like force myself to watch it just to like appear cool or grown up. Like if I didn't like it, like I don't have time for this, you know? Yeah, see, I wasn't like that. I, I really tried to fit in that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, like I tried to fit in too. I just think like shows, like there was a lot of shows that I watched because other people liked them, and then I and then I watch and like I liked them, so I watched them. So I but think there's like, my mom came in handy though because I was like after a while I didn't want to watch fucking Passions anymore because I was like this is bullshit. And so my mom, I was like, oh, you know, my mom, like, reneged on her promise. I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> wasn't, there, wasn't there, like, witchcraft and, like, a Yo, doll? It was so bullshit. Like, <laughs> I remember, you know, it, with these soap operas, it's like, you can jump in whenever and kind of get the story. I mean, more or less, yeah. More or less, yeah. You get context because, like, 14 episodes are, like, one hour of the show. <laughs> so, yeah. like. They talk about it over and over again so you can kind of get what's going on. And I remember I jumped in right when, like, this one girl had kidnapped another girl and taken her baby mm-hmm. and passed it off as her own because the guy she loved, like, she wanted the guy she loved, whatever. <laughs> and, like, her mom was a witch, so she, like, cast a spell. And it, I don't even fucking know anymore. <laughs> like, I want those 
hours of my life back where I let myself <laughs> be influenced by like the quote unquote popular people. Yeah. Wasn't there like a character on Passions who like possessed her doll or something? Yeah. Yeah. There was also another time where like she was on a plane, but like on the plane, like on top of it. <laughs> That's so, what I was going to say. So like, I don't know what the fucking appeal was. It could have just been also because like soap operas are usually a thing that older adults watch. So like one person got into it and said like, oh, oh this is really good because they, they had that freedom to watch a little bit more of an adult show. Yeah, exactly. Like so that must have been probably what it was. maybe the appeal, you know. But like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Because like, out of all of like the well-known like North American soap operas, like Passions, like obviously Passions is well known, but like Passions didn't run for very long. I think it was only on for like maybe like ten, eleven years, which is not very long if you can no, like, it look was at other soap for operas. Eight. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. So like, that's not very long in comparison to other soap operas that have run for like fifty years. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, just, it's funny to me that you're that there's people in your class who are like, you have to watch Passions or you're not cool. Like, yeah. I remember the first day I went back to school after watching Passions and I was like, you guys, I did it. And then like, I was cool. But like, honestly, fuck that shit. Literally, like, mm, Passions out of all of them, I think you can you can live without it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, adult Eleni is kicking little Eleni in the face right now. Yes. Um, in terms of movies, I was really lucky to grow up with, uh, my dad was a movie buff, mm-hmm. like loved movies and never really put any restrictions on what we could watch with now, <laughs> now that I'm saying it, maybe he should have, but like my dad was always like, if it's a good movie, I'm going to share it with you guys and we're going to watch it. You know, like I yeah. remember being eight years old and watching rounders, which is a poker movie <laughs> God. and like, Right after that, we're like, my dad taught us how to play poker. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So yeah. my dad didn't really put limits on what we could watch if it was a good movie. He he was mindful of, like, if there was sex or violence or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, I remember his motto was, it was like, like, if it's a war movie, for example, he would be like, well, I'm not going to hide you from the horrors of war. Like, war happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But he was more mindful of, like, nudity and swearing and stuff like that. But at the same time, he would let a lot of things slide that I feel like parents shouldn't. <laughs> but it gave me a very interesting childhood. Um, so, yeah, it, it it made it so that I watched a lot of movies um, when I was younger that, like, my peers were not watching. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like, I remember going back to school and, like, telling people that I watched Rounders, a poker movie. And they're like, what? <laughs> I was doing, like, my, my fourth grade class how to play poker. Um, and now, like, I don't really have a movie genre that I stick to. Do mm-hmm. you? Um, I feel like, like, for me, too, like, my parents have always been very into movies. I think my mom, my mom actually probably more so than my dad. Like, my dad loves movies, too. But my mom is, is has always been very big with TV and movies. So I feel like she's passed, she passed that on to me. Like, probably probably without even realizing it, but it first started, like, when we were, when I was really young, like, she introduced me to Disney, and, like, mm-hmm. she was a big Disney fan when she was younger, so, like, and, you know, as 90s kids, you always have the, you, you always had the, you know, blessing of being born in the, you know, so-called renaissance of, not renaissance, what's the word, like, golden, golden. era yeah. of, like, VHS and home video, mm-hmm. so... Like, you could, you know, own all of the Disney movies in the in the collection. And so I feel like because I grew up with that and, you know, loving, lo- like, loving, you know, owning movies on, like, you know, VHS or then DVD, 
it, yeah. it's like like it's like something, something that my mom and I still do like you know we have we own like a thousand movies yeah yeah, yeah. and like I feel like because of that, we were very behind in, like, joining the Netflix era because we just, like... I remember when you guys were debating. Yeah, because it was, like, I feel like Netflix, I'm not going to say replaces home video because it doesn't. It doesn't doesn't replace, like, physical media either. Mm -hmm. But, like, it kind of replaces, like, an entertainment value that that you would seek out, you know, in a video store or, you know, on television more so than it would replace them. Yeah. So anyway, all of that, all of that to say, we're just, we're very big movie people and we own a lot of movies and there's a lot of movies that we love like together and separately. So like, you know, we we like that movie to watch together or we like different movies by ourselves kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we've, I feel like me and my mom have always been big on like romantic comedies. And I feel like that's where my love of romantic comedies came from. Yeah. I don't like when people knock romantic comedies. Romantic comedies can be really fucking great. <laughs> I, no, I feel like I feel like if in 2020 you're like criticizing romantic comedies, still criticizing romantic comedies, it's like that's on you. You have your own issues. But for to real, like I feel like it's just criticism to criticize. You know, like the same thing. I think we've talked about this before, like chiclet. Yeah, exactly. It's like the equivalent that people just love to harp on it for some reason. But like, fuck, these are really individual things. If you don't like it, don't do like, don't watch it. Don't read it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I feel like in my brain, like the term, I mean, it hasn't like completely fallen from use or fallen from, you know, the registry. But like the, the, the term chick flick to me, like, isn't really a thing anymore. Like, I know people obviously will still use it, but I'm saying like in my vernacular and in the vernacular people around me like we don't really say chick flick anymore I feel like that kind of fell out in the last few years in my opinion yeah for sure I think romantic comedy has kind of taken over and I feel like Netflix has a bit has like a bit to do with that because romantic comedies are always huge on Netflix oh they're the best though yeah (laughs) anyways um this brings us to another question okay somebody asked us what our favorite classic movie is oh boy Oh, you should you should really send me these questions or show me these questions before we start recording so I can think fun. of answers. This is half the fun. <laughs> Classic movie. Okay, so like, what 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 are we defining as classic? I don't know. Just say a favorite movie. Because <laughs> you know what? A couple of weeks ago, I posted something about Hercules. Mm-hmm. That to me is a classic because I grew up with. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. Um. Okay. I would have to say. Mary Poppins. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Will always be my first answer for any favorite movie question. Oh, it's a good movie. Yes, it is. It's great. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, I love all my classic Disney movies. It's not, like, <laughs> well, it's not in classic about how people, like, define classic as, like, you know, like, 40s and 50s and 30s movies. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like if you're going to talk about Disney, like, the term classic varies. Disney is classic for me because I'm younger. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know. Um, In terms of, like, classic, classic movies, um, I love His Girl Friday. I've never seen that. And I was just reading something about that movie in a book a few weeks ago. I really love that movie. I'll have to look into that. should. I'm sure the library has it, but the library is closed. Thanks for reminding me. 
COVID, you fucking hoe. <laughs> yeah, I love His Girl Friday. What else do I love? I mean, I like, I like classic television shows. Like, I love I love Lucy. I have them on DVD. Oh, you do? I did not know that. I do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I'd have to think about it a little bit more. Well, I like, well, his girl Friday is a good answer. Okay. I also love I also love Breakfast at Tiffany's. Do you like that movie? I do like that movie. Okay. What's the other one I'm thinking of with Cary Grant? Oh, the Philadelphia Story. Oh, that's good. I've seen that one. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yes. Anyways, so I guess that kind of answers it. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. All right. So moving on, what do you love most about Canada? Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let me say something because I think that people think that just because we live in Canada, we don't have problems. Oh wow! Listen. <laughs> no, but like not... people in the outside think like Canada is this amazing wonderland where like nothing goes wrong and like everyone's in agreement, holding hands and skipping down a field. I mean, in comparison to, you know, lots of the United States and other countries, like, we are pretty pretty unproblematic. Listen, I completely agree. But, like, we have our fair share of issues, you know? Like, we haven't always had the best relationship, and we haven't always treated our indigenous populations really well. Mm, Yeah, Um, there's that. We're making up for it, but I mean, like, you know, it hasn't been great. I feel like we're Um, leaps and bounds ahead of the United States with that, too. I think so, too. But, I mean, you know, living conditions are still really shitty for Indigenous peoples. Yeah, they are. Do better government. Um, You know, I think people think, like, we don't have racism here. We definitely do. We have Islamophobia and, you know, like, especially in Quebec with our 88 prime minister. Um, But, you know, like, we we do have our fair share of problems here. That being said... (laughs) um, I don't know. I think... Not what I love about Canada, but I think what I'm proud of of Canada for is, like, still being open-minded enough that we're not, like, I don't know, like, ridiculous in terms of, like, I don't know, gay rights and... Yeah, like... You know know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like we're just... We're... I'm not gonna we're say, like it's, open-minded, can I say? Yeah, and I'm not gonna say like like you said, we're not perfect by any means, uh-huh. but I feel like why people kind of have this vision of Canada as being like, you know, all sunshine and roses is because like our problems are peanuts in comparison to the problems of the United States, especially right now, or especially like of other, you know, Middle Eastern countries, for yeah. example. Well, for sure. Listen, I'm not saying like I'm I'm very happy with where I live. I'm most days I'm proud of our leadership. Maybe not here in Quebec, um, because this idiot ran an anti-immigrant platform. But I mean, like on most days, I'm pretty proud of where I live. Yeah. And I'm happy to say that like we're doing the best we can. Yeah. Um, another thing that I really appreciate about Canada, healthcare. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. Um, as someone who has like navigated the healthcare system with grandparents and even my father had really like two really major surgeries I think I once calculated what my my father's um total medical bill would have been after his heart surgery and it came up to like six hundred thousand dollars Jesus so like as somebody who has seen a lot of family members go through that I'm really glad that I can just walk into a hospital and like have doctors do their thing (laughs) yeah 
Um, it's by say- no means free, by the way. We pay a lot of taxes, but yeah, it's true. I rather pay taxes than like be dead. Yeah, I was gonna say my in terms of like what I what I like best about Canada. I was gonna say either you know how healthcare is considered a is considered a right, not a privilege. Exactly. Yeah. And like the health in, mentality. Yeah, and also just let like. I'll echo what you said about how just how how like liberal minded we are in general. Like my like my dad has said it before, like even when we have like a conservative government, like our conservative is still pretty liberal in comparison to other parts our of the world. Our conservative is so much more to the left. <laughs> Literally, like it's like we're, I think no matter where we fall in terms of liberal conservative government in Canada, Canada is still very left, like no matter what. I mean, I think it helps that we also have a parliamentary system and not this other bullshit there, but like, yeah, um, yeah, I think for the most part, most Canadians are very open-minded and even, and I think the thing that I, I like the most about us also is that even when you're not as open-minded and you have different beliefs, mm-hmm. we're not as quick to shove them down your throat. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like we're of that opinion, of, I'm, I'm saying in general, like, I believe one thing, you believe another, we could still coexist, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe not, I wouldn't maybe, I wouldn't use the term open-minded. I was going to say maybe Canada is just much more progressive-oriented Yeah. in comparison to other parts of the world. And, and like you said, I'm not going to say people don't have differing opinions, but, like, you know, uh, for example, same-sex marriage has been legal here in all of, in all of Canada since 2005, which is, yeah. like, which is like if you compare that to the United States like in 2005 it was like nothing you know so yeah I think I think just in general you know obviously obviously there are people who opposed that in 2005 but like even people who opposed it like they didn't you know riot we didn't yeah we didn't cause a big hullabaloo number one number two I think like I was third how old was I in 2005 I have to do math now (laughs) I was 13 Okay. And, like, I remember thinking, like, huh, that wasn't already legal? <laughs> because, like, to me, it was just so natural. <laughs> like, like, yeah. If, and if you, were thir- if you were 13, I would have been seven. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't really remember that, but, like, yeah, I have some, you know, vague, vague recollection of when that happened. Yeah. I, you know what? I remember not talking about it in school because we went to Greek school. <laughs> And, like, not not for anything, but it wasn't, like, a big topic. But I think also it wasn't a big topic of conversation because it wasn't a big deal. Exactly. Like, that's, that's, that, exactly. That's the whole point. And I'm not, by the way, this is not to, like, put down anyone who was waiting for this to get married or whatever. What I'm saying it wasn't a big deal is, like, I don't think people were fucking outraged. Yeah, exactly. It didn't didn't cause that much of a fuss. We're going to get married. Whatevs. Like, you know? Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. Um, Next question. Yes, next question. Next question. So in conclusion, yay, Canada. <laughs> um, what other Gilmore Girls podcasts do you listen to? Oh. Um, Jeffrey. None. None. Um, that, that's not true. When we first started researching and planning, uh, you know, the launch of our own Gilmore Girls podcast, mm-hmm. I did. I did do some extensive research on which on which other ones were out there, just because right. I, I didn't want us to like, you know, I'm not. I mean, I'm not gonna say we're like completely original here, but like, I yeah. wanted us to be at least stand out a little. Yeah. 
And during that research, I did come across one that was pretty popular called Gilmore Guys. Yeah, I think that's the one that a lot of people have listened to. I actually have listened to it. Yeah. Um, not like religiously there, but I've definitely listened to a lot of it. <laughs> I think it's I think it's over now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think they're doing Mrs. Maisel, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And I think a lot of, like, Gilmore Girls cast members, like, were guests on Gilmore Guys. Yeah. If I'm not. We actually got a, we actually got a comment from somebody um, <laughs> saying, um, you guys are so much better than Gilmore Girls. Ha- Girl- Gilmore Guys, how do they get so popular? <laughs> <laughs> well. Oh, the shade, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I like, like you said, I've only listened to a few episodes of that podcast, so I don't, like, I, I'm not in a, in a position to start comparing. Right. But uh, thanks for the compliment. Yeah, exactly. I know there's another one that we follow on Twitter. It's, it takes a really unique stance on Gilmore Girls. It doesn't uh, rehash the episodes like we do, like analyze them. But what they do is they they analyze the pop culture references in it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Called So It's a Show. And yes. I think, uh, keeping up with the Gilmore Girls, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, they'll sure. take, um, you know, like, these references that the girls make to, to movies or books or whatever, and they'll break them down and um, put them in context of the scene that they were in. So I think that's super interesting. Yes, I should, I should listen to that one again. I, yeah. I, I listened to it once and I didn't. It's really well done. Yeah. I um, and then there's another one, the other big one that I found when we were doing research, but they're like on and off. Um, like they they haven't continued in a while, I think. They're um, I think it's called caffeinated, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I should go look it up, but I don't think they've gone past the second season. Neither have we. I mean, we're we have plans to. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not abandoning ship, but I, <laughs> um, yeah, but they're pretty funny too. Those girls, I don't remember their names right now, but they're very funny. Wow. In conclusion, but also. <laughs> um, name five things you would change in the Gilmore Girls revival. Oh, God. These are really good questions. Jesus right? Christ. Hot off uh, to all of you for these questions, because, geez, I can't, I can't even think of anything. They're really this. good. I'm really, I'm really impressed by how original um, our audience is. I wasn't a huge fan of A Year in the Life. What about you? Um... It was like on and off for me. I think we've I think we've discussed this before of how yeah. look, I, I can map out my my emotions about a year in the life on a graph. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> super high because I'm like, yes, Gilmore Girls is back. And then like winter was great, great, great. And then spring, what happened after? Uh, spring. spring, yeah. Fucking seasons. I don't know what season it is anymore because it's a summer. frost in May. But anyways. Uh, so then spring happened, and I was like, okay, maybe. Yeah. Then summer happened, and the fucking musical happened, and I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Yeah, that was kind of dumb. Okay, so number one thing I would change is this fucking musical. I feel like there was there was a lot of, there, for Revival, that was supposed to, again, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm reiterating myself right now, yeah. but for a Revival that was supposed to be about unfinished business, there was a lot of filler. Yes. So I remember watching the summer episode with my sister-in-law. And we were both like, what the fuck is this? Like, because we timed it. It literally took up 35 minutes of a 90-minute episode. Like, yeah. you could have done a lot more with that time. Yeah. You know? I get wanting to be fun and whatever, but keep it at one scene. I didn't need to see the whole fucking musical. Mm-hmm. 
So number one, I would definitely change that. Um, what would I change? That's a good question. I think, like, um, could I say I wanted more Jess? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you can change. You can say that. Well, I did. No, I I thought like in general they could have maybe like I didn't want more Dean because we don't we're not we're not Dean fans, <laughs> but I feel like in general, like they could have done more with Rory's development. Like, I know they did a lot, and they showed a lot, but, like, I don't know. I really, I really hated Rory's guts in a, in a Year in the Life. Okay, so here's the thing that I have with that. Because we see a lot of, like, confessions on the Gilmore Girls Confessions Instagram page of, like, people saying they hated Rory's character, and it was unrealistic, and she would never do these things. And here's where I stand on that, if anyone cares. They hate uh, the way she breathes. Yeah, well, that was another thing. We'll get into that after. But for me, I kind of liked that she didn't have her life together. Yeah. Because it's way more realistic than her always getting what she wants and what she works for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I'm 28 years old right now, and the revival of Rory's 33 or 32. Mm-hmm. Like, Nobody my age, I'm realizing, has their fucking lives figured out, especially in this economy, especially with, like, COVID. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? You go to school for one thing, and it never turns out that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, my issue wasn't so much with, like, that she wasn't perfect or that that her life was a mess. Like, I I appreciated that they showed that Rory was not perfect because, let's be honest, we've already, you know, looked, looked under that rock. Exactly. But... What I think what bothered me and what bothers me with a lot of like Netflix and HBO and other kind of, you know, paid cable, I guess, mm-hmm. is that like the characters aren't perfect. And like not that I want them to be perfect, but also like they're kind of bad people. And I'm not going to say Roy is a bad person, but like she makes terrible decisions right in front of our eyes. And it's just kind of like, yes, that's realistic. And yes, that's real life. Yeah. But like. It's I don't know I mean maybe it's because I like I've just watched too many picture perfect sitcoms where you know everything is perfect la 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 but like there's just a lot of paid cable shows like you know like Lena Dunham's show Girls like Those terrible people yeah like I'm not I'm like I'm not gonna say that was that was a good show the whole way through but like that like I feel like the whole purpose of that show and kind of of that genre of show is that like it's about people making bad decisions for, you know, an hour, half an hour. And it's like, okay, that's real life. You know, I make bad decisions. You make bad decisions. But, like, if I'm watching TV, sometimes I want to watch something that's comforting and, you know, people doing the right thing. No, I get that. But I think the difference is, like, if we're if we're going to stick to the example of girls, I think that, that their entertainment value is in the fact that people, like, you know they're going to make bad decisions. Yeah. Like, keep going back to see how much they're going to screw up more. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I feel like in the revival, don't get me wrong, I didn't love it by any means. Like, I'm still ugh on it, you know? But, mm-hmm. like, I feel like it was way more realistic to see her struggling and mm-hmm. making bad decisions while still being a good person. Yeah. Because we all have those moments where I'd like to think we're good people, but I know for sure I've made terrible decisions, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, exactly. So I think it was a little bit more refreshing going from, like, this good girl, like, all throughout seasons one through four, through five, and then six happens and, like, whatever, 
but even like she gets back on the horse in six and seven Mm -hmm. and like she ends like with education from Yale and a really good job as like following Barack Obama's campaign around like I think it was good to see her struggle a little bit oh yeah like and realize that like when you're back into a corner kind of you do make stupid decisions yeah and I'm not gonna like I'm I'm not gonna say like I wanted I wanted Rory to be perfect and not I don't I'm I'm not I didn't want to not see her struggle Mm -hmm. but at the same time like I think it's because you know with with shows like Gilmore Girls or just even Girls I find like I'm not gonna say I watched that show to be comforted but Mm -hmm. like (laughs) I would seriously like be scared for you yeah I know but like there are certain shows I find like if you kind of watch them as if they were comfort food or eat them, I guess, as if they were comfort food, um, it's, it's, I think it's just jarring to then see these characters that like you kind of like you put your, like you kind of put your own worldview onto theirs and it's like, Oh, well, you know, I look up to this, to this character or this actress, even like, you know, they inspire me because they did this or they did that. And it's like, and then you go and watch them, like Rory make terrible decisions in the revival and it's like that to me was just very jarring from the Rory we knew in the series and I guess that's that's hypocritical of me because I didn't like how perfect everyone made her up to be in the original series yeah I just found it jarring to see her make make such terrible decisions in front of our eyes no I get it I get it like for me too I was like I remember first watching it and I was struggling with the fact like this is not the Rory we know yeah, exactly. More time passed. I was like, well, maybe that's a good thing because like, you know, we knew her in her early 20s and now she's in her early 30s. And I myself have felt lost at times. So I get her feeling lost. So it's like my opinion on it changes the more time goes on. But mm-hmm. I, I absolutely understand what you're saying. Yeah. You know what's something else that I would change about the revival? Mm-hmm. I did not like the way Emily. First of all, let me preface this by saying that I think Emily had the best character development and I'm very happy for her. Yeah. I did not like the fact that she kept belittling Lorelai's relationship with Luke. Yeah, even all those years later, like... Like, they've been together, like, so we're made to understand that they've been together since the end of season seven, which is 2007. So they've been together nine years. They have mm. a very steady relationship. They live together. You know what I mean? And she's still like, well, you're not married. He can leave. Like, you know what I mean? And if, yeah, I know. I totally get when you... I totally get it. And it was, like, very degrading obviously for her to keep saying that nine years later but like to me emily was always that very strict rigid conservative yeah, she was woman very brand for her but i feel like i don't know going into it i was like yo richard's dead maybe they've gotten closer i don't know maybe it was like me putting my like projecting what i wanted to also on the series yeah exactly it sounded a little bit upsetting even when they were having that big argument after the funeral mm-hmm. like, the way she speaks to her is like ooh. Yeah. And I think just in general, like like what you said about projecting, you know, your fa- like your fantasy almost onto um Lorelai and Emily. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the, you know how people say that like when you when you when you pick up a book and read it, like you're bringing all of your worldviews and all of your knowledge and all of your experience, all of your life experience to what to this book and what you're reading. And so like yeah. your perspective is influenced by all of that. Yeah. Um, I feel like when you watch like TV and movies, like the same thing happens where it's like if you're watch like if you watched like seven seasons of Gilmore Girls and, you know, they were, you know, they were there for you and they comforted you 
in you know in like time like hard times of your own it's like it's hard not to then project your own wants and desires for what their characters were going to be like in a revival nine years later. Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like, and I feel like that's what's tricky about revivals. And you know, there's been a lot of them in the last few years. But like, that's what's difficult about them is because, like, the especially when they like when the original series was so beloved, it's like everyone brings their own, you know. I guess I'm like I guess worldviews and 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 life experiences to those characters, and then that then as you as you grow up with the characters or without the characters, you have your own kind of hopes and dreams for them, and you might not get them. Yeah, no, you know? I get it, I get it. And I feel like with Gilmore Girls, we had a lot of time to think about what we would have wanted, you know. Mm-hmm. So what I what I wanted was not for was it for not what I wanted was it for not I can't even speak. I know. What I wanted was it to not conclude on a cliffhanger. But it did. And like everyone keeps saying, oh, well, they're going to make more. No, they're not going to. OK, it's not going to happen. And even well, if it does. But like, yeah, chances are they're not going to make more. But anyways, but even if it does, like you had your chance. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, okay. Um, uh, should we do one more question? Yes. And then we'll get on with uh, the other stuff. Um, what do you think about Gilmore Girls being so white or not having enough representation? Oh, God. Damn. These are really hard questions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you go first. You want me to go first? Okay. So, Gilmore Girls premiered in 2000 and... 2000? Yeah. <laughs> 2000 and... No. Gilmore Girls premiered in 2000, and I think by 2000 standards, it was pretty progressive. Yeah. Um, by those standards. I didn't say it was good. I just said by their standards. Yeah. Because there was a Korean family, and Michelle is black and presumably gay, but not gay. Whatever. That being said, though, it's very awkward to go back and watch it. And not see, like, the world represented in a fair way. Because, like, I think the next time we see a Black character is in Season 7, and it's Logan's co-worker that only has, like, a two-episode whatever. Oh, like, yeah. nobody that lives in Stars Hollow is Black. Like, there are no other ethnic people around. Like, I don't... They're always dating white guys. Yeah, it's true. There are no... Um, you know, there's no gay people. That, like, I, I don't understand how in college there's no... Like, even if you're in the background of scenes at Yale. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's... There's no people of color. There's no homosexuals. There's nothing. <laughs> it's true. And I feel like... I, I, yeah. And I feel like when you watch... Like, when you grow up watching shows like that, it's like you don't really... You don't really notice it, and you're kind of you're like you're almost you're almost a product of your own era, like like the show is. Yeah. And I, like I mean, until you said it, I didn't really think about it. Like you're, but you're right. There aren't any black characters other than Michelle until what like season what was that season six or seven? Yeah, and then like even Michelle is only outed as gay in the revival. And I wouldn't even say outed. I feel like it was just like by the revival on Netflix where they're allowed to swear. It was like, okay, you know, it's we can shed the facade now. I don't know. I don't. Um, listen, I think growing up, it made more sense because I went to Greek school. <laughs> we were all white kids. I had a very like closed friend group. So like, of course, it didn't 
it didn't bother me when I was growing up because like I didn't know any better either. You know what I mean? Yeah. But can we all agree that like if Gilmore Girls was cast the exact same way in today's day and age, it would not fly? Oh yeah, like it's it's a and I and I've said this before. It's a very white niche show. But by the way, rightfully so, it wouldn't fly because you know it's like you're not representing an accurate picture of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that being said, like I said in the beginning, it, it I think by 2000 standards, it was a little bit ahead of its peers. Yeah, like but especially with the Korean good. family. Yeah, but still not nearly enough. No, not nearly enough. And it's also important to point out that um, we are both white. So yes. we are not the key holders to any, you know, any like experience on racial diversity. So. No, not at all. But I mean, it. I feel like when two white people can notice, like there's a problem. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And I feel like, and I feel like, like if, people think they're the center of the universe. Yeah, and I feel like when a black person watches Gilmore Girls, like, it's much more obvious to them. But, like, for me, you know, or for us, even, like, white people watching a show more or less made for white people, like, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 we like, we, we just don't notice it. And, like, that's just white privilege at its finest. And, like, we're all guilty of it. And then we I don't. 100%. The reason we don't notice it is because we're privileged. Exactly. And, and the thing is, like, us watching Gilmore Girls when we were younger like, oh, yeah, Rory's having a hard time in school. And then, like, we could relate to all those problems. Those are not problems of Black people. You know what I mean? No. And I feel like the WB in the late 90s and early 2000s was just very, like, white bread television. Of course. But, like, so. the fact that we can watch that and be like, oh, yeah, this is great television. Like, I mean, okay, yes, it is great writing and whatever. But we can't deny the fact that, like, it's not representative of the world we live in. No, it's not. And I don't think it ever was. No, no. But I mean, like. By today's standards, this wouldn't fly. No. And rightfully so. And by today's standards, none of Friends would fly. Let's just let's just put that out there. No, for sure. None of a lot of shows that we used to watch would not fly. And I feel like that's the issue. If if I might just say in conclusion, I think that's the issue with a lot of shows that like live on beyond their initial era. Mm-hmm. Like. If you go back and watch shows from the 60s or 70s, like they're dated, like they're they they were made in the 70s or 60s for the 60s or 70s. You know, like it wasn't like like I, you can't say that that the showrunners back then anticipated DVD releases and us watching these shows 50 years later and saying, oh my, like that's so racist or that's so wrong. Like it doesn't make it any less racist, but like you know, no, it's listen, I I understand, like I get it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I feel like in 2016, you had an opportunity with the revival to be a little bit more representative and you weren't. Yeah, it's true. So I think that's where my issue also comes up, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like, well, a- Amy Sherman Paladino is also white, right? So. Yeah. And like, even I was thinking back to like Mrs. Maisel. There are black characters, but they're secondary characters. Oh, for sure. And there's an Asian character, and she's like a love interest. So I guess it's like kind of, pro- it's kind. Of, she's move- Amy Sherman Palatino's moving in the right direction, kind of thing. But like white stories are still like the predominant stories on television. And Mrs. Mrs. Maisel takes place in the fifties, doesn't it? Yeah. So. Well, listen, it takes place in the fifties, early or late fifties, early fifties. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what time it is, but I mean. 
at least in Mrs. Maisel, like when they're talking about a black character, they're talking about his experience, like how the singer, even though he's a world renowned singer, he can't stay in the same hotel as the white people. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there was an opportunity missed in 2016 to be a little bit more inclusive. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there definitely. 100%. All right. We'll leave it at that for that. But before we move on to our next segment, I did want to mention that in our last episode of Quarantine Queries, one of the questions was, um, what's our favorite episode of Gilmore Girls? And I was having trouble picking one because I had to pick on the spot. Did you and pick I, And I picked the one, the episode from, from season three with the house party mm-hmm. and the keg. Yeah. Um, but as as I was thinking about it more and more since that since we did that episode, I think I would have to say my favorite episode would be from season five. Okay. Um, where Luke and Lorelai break up, and um, Lorelai is watching all is watching the Judy Garland version of A Star Is Born when Luke rushes over and they kiss while while she's singing um, the man that got away. 516, say something. Yes, I think that's my favorite. Got it. Mostly because I love Judy Garland, but, you know. I know, I was going to say, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, but that's good. That's a good choice, I feel like. Yes. All right, so do you want to talk about Zoe? Yes, shall we? Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. So we'll make it brief, I guess, but we don't have to, but I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so remember the first time we talked about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist? Yeah, it's back in January. Back in January, February, when okay. you were like, oh, I kind of like it. And I was like, oh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Our perspectives have completely switched since then. Yeah, but also like, have they? Okay, but like, did, do, but like, do you like the show more now than you did in January? I definitely like it more, but I understand what you were saying about it being a show that would work better on Netflix. Right? Like, it just seems to me like it's a Netflix show. I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's too quirky for network television. Yeah. And not that, like, <laughs> not that there isn't a place for that on network television, but I find oh. that just the writing and the characters just, to me, is very niche. And it just seems like it would, a show that, it just seems to me like it would be a show that, be, that would be written and produced for Netflix in the first place. Yeah. No, I get it. Um... Yeah, so I finished the first season. Okay, I think I have, like, three episodes left. Yeah, I had recorded them because I wasn't watching from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, general thoughts were, it was cute. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It's just, yeah, it's definitely cute. It's definitely nice. It's just, like, fucking stupid sometimes, though. But, but that's the thing. I was going to say, sometimes you're just like, yo, can we have one serious moment without you guys fucking breaking into song? And like some of the some of like some of the songs are nice and like they fit the moment well, but other times it's like, okay, I'm just really get really getting into this like character chemistry here, and then it's like, I came in like a ri-. like no, stop yeah, it. I know, you know, so I don't know what to do anymore. I think my favorite part of the of the of the musical numbers though was Lauren Graham getting to perform. Wrecking Ball, and then TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I think I'm going to say something that's going to get me in trouble. But even then, like, they're pretty cringe. Like, she's not a, like, she's not a singer. <laughs> okay, so that's what I was going to say that's going to get me in trouble. Because a lot of people have been freaking out. Yeah. Because 
like on Twitter, they're like, who said Lauren Graham's not a good singer? She was on Broadway, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yo, she's not a singer. No, she's not. She's not terrible, but she's not a singer. Like, honestly, I think the only appeal of having Lauren Graham like perform musical numbers on a show like Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is that it's Lauren Graham, a national treasure from, you know, the lead star of two beloved family dramas. Yeah. Is now singing and dancing to, you know, pop songs from the last five years or ten years. I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think she's terrible. No, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was meant to be taken to be taken that seriously either. But also, like, I think she's the one. She's one of the characters that has the most auto tune. Obviously. <laughs> but like, I'm not allowed to say that apparently. What do you mean? Like, did someone get mad at you on Twitter for saying that? Me, but like a lot of people are just getting mad in general. Well, yeah, because like I said, I think we can. I think we can agree that like Lauren Graham is a national treasure. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I can So I think the appeal of, of seeing her, you know, perform is that like it's Lauren Graham singing Wrecking Ball or Lauren Graham singing TikTok. Yeah. But obviously there's auto tune because like hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but like I do <laughs> like guys, I need you guys to put your like blind love for her aside. Mm-hmm. And let's just be objective. Of course, I also love her. I think she's a sweetheart. I think she's beautiful. I think she's a really great actress. Singing is not her thing. <laughs> no, and the only reason that I tweeted both of the clips where Lauren Graham sang Wrecking Ball and then Lauren Graham sang TikTok was because I could not believe, first of all, how stupid it was. But also, like, the only reason that it wasn't completely stupid was that, was that it was Lauren Graham. But also, like, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. She looks like she's having a great time. But, like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, and it it would, anytime there's, like, some kind of sentimental, heartfelt moment on this show, it's ruined (laughs) by some ridiculous musical number. Right? Like, they're finally getting to the crux of something. And I'm like, oh, finally, they're getting to this issue. And then it's like, Bermuda, jump. Like, I don't. (laughs) You know what's going on sometimes. Sometimes I just wish they would stop singing. I know it's the premise of the show, but sometimes I'm like, yo, you don't have to have 18 musical numbers in one show. You could have three and still get your point across. Yeah, like I was, and I and I had one of those moments, um, during the episode that I watched this morning, where I don't I don't remember the character's name, but um, Zoe's brother's wife, mm-hmm. she starts singing "Buttons" by the Oh Pussycat my god, dolls. yeah, like fuck. <laughs> Just like, what does this mean exactly? Like, you want to have sex with him? It's not a big deal. You don't have to sing "Loosen Up My Buttons" to him. <laughs> like, oh dear. I don't know. So, like, I was just like, listen, it ended on a high note for me. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I would definitely watch if they had a second season. But at the same time, I'm gonna need them to tone down their shit a little bit. And I'm gonna need people to just to stop being so like, like following her blindly kind of thing. Yeah, I know. And I think part of my issue too is obviously the the crazy musical numbers, but also like, 
The actress who plays Zoe is a little annoying, in my opinion. Hmm. Like, I'm not, I won't start bashing her saying she's terrible or ugly or whatever. Like, she's cute and she's, like, you know, charming and whatever and has all the qualities that this show needs. I don't know. I just find her a bit, you know, annoying, in my opinion. All right. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like, listen, it, I don't, if it does get a second season, I think it could possibly be its last. <laughs> okay. Well. No, because listen, like it's last on network television. And because look, like a big part of the first season was her father. Yes. And how long can they keep that up? I feel like that was the only like emotional appeal of the show in the right. at least in the like, first season. The best, the best musical numbers for me when she was get it was when she was getting to communicate with her father. Yeah. Because they were heartfelt, they were like it was something, you know what I mean? So I don't know how long they can keep that up. Um and I also don't know how long they can keep like a love triangle going. And like I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know. <laughs> I think my favorite character though is Mo. I think so too. <laughs> and you were and you were asking me a while ago, like if um like what the like if he was, you know, gender nonconforming or non-binary, like what right, exactly is. In the first couple of episodes it's not clear. Yeah. Um also pronouns are a big thing in the yes. first couple of episodes. So like that's why it wasn't clear. And then as it went on, I'm like, okay, no, never mind, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think like I'm, I don't know how the actor how the actor identifies, but I do I know, know that he played um, or they played. I don't know what their pronouns are. Right. Um, they were they were on Glee and they played um, a transgender character there. Oh. So I don't know if like again I don't know how the actor identifies in real life, but I do know that that's where he made his name. So I would assume that he would continue. Um, with that journey, I guess. Right. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's just, um, like, I feel like it has potential. Yeah. I feel like it's, they overdid it a little bit with the singing. I know it's the point. Don't come after me. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's just, it got a, it got to be a little bit too much sometimes. Like. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like it's, it's, it wants to be sentimental and heartfelt, but, like, the silliness is just overloading. Yeah, because, like, not every conversation has to end with, like, a secret love feeling and, like, this guy singing jealous to you. <laughs> that was funny. I liked that. No, it was cute. But I, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I'm really not in the fucking mood. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Like, also, sometimes, can we just agree that, like, I don't need her mom to sing for me to know that her mom is angry. Yeah, I know. It's like, like it, it feels, read the yeah. fucking room. You don't need an MRI talent for this. Yeah, it feels a bit like preschool feelings. You know, like how do we know what that person is feeling? Like, yeah, it's like I'm holding up like a, a a flashcard to her, and I'm like, look at this facial expression. Are they yeah. mad or mad? Like, like let's use our feeling words. <laughs> also, I really don't like the fact that she doesn't know any fucking music. <laughs> it's true though she doesn't know anything Mo's like well what were they singing I think it's a song called like blah 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 and she's like oh it's called this and she's like oh yeah okay cool and I'm like fuck you have to know something fuck I know anyways I think there's a lot of weak points at yeah. this stage so I don't know it's if... definitely fun don't get me wrong 
But for me, it's just a little bit too much at times. No, and I get what you're saying. Like, sometimes you're just not in the mood for that to just burst out into song. It's like, okay, tone it down a bit. I'm in a mood. Yeah, like, honestly, I couldn't watch more than two episodes at a time. Yeah. Because, like, normally I can binge a show pretty well. (laughs) This time I was like, after two episodes, I'm like, yo, I can't fucking take it anymore. Yeah, it's true. Like, stop singing your feelings at me. I feel like the only, I'm not going to say the only appeal, but I feel like a lot of it comes from... Obviously, Lauren Graham, but I don't think she was a. I think she was she was just a special guest star in the first season, so I don't know if she would continue in the second season. And here's the thing, too. One of the fucking I don't know the show creator or the producer or somebody was like, "Who said that Lauren Graham's only gonna be there the first season?" And everyone's like, literally, like, "Bitch, she did." <laughs> so, I don't understand. So now it's the- changing. Is it? <laughs> But let me ask you, would you still watch it if she wasn't in it? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. As, I, as I told you, I was, like, already considering it, just, like, not watching it anymore. Just because, for me, like, if a TV show becomes, feels like homework, like, I that just defeats the purpose. In yeah, my, I get it. I get it. So, it. like, that's why I'm, again, I think we've discussed maybe before how I'm bad at, bin, how I'm bad at binge watching and how I'm just really bad with Netflix. and In general, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been thinking about that more and more. And I think it's because, like, when I was younger, I used to obviously watch more television than I do now. Mm-hmm. And I think I was, I, I was just very used to, like, the old school um, network television mentality of, you know, watching Wait. each week and when yeah. and, like, waiting a full week until the next episode. And it was, like, because you had that, you know, you had that buffer of time, mm-hmm. it, like, it allowed you to grow with the characters in a more like gradual way I guess you know like not grow with the characters only but like grow with the show and like let let the show grow on you whereas like now on Netflix and other streaming platforms they just release an entire season at once and it's like all on your face and it's like you have to finish it now and it's like yeah I feel very overwhelmed (laughs) I get it I get it so I don't know, like if if maybe if there was like Netflix shows that I'm there's a lot of, there's a lot that appeal to me, but I find that I, it's very hard for me to get through them, like in a binge manner, shall I say? Because no, I like, get it. I have to like like you know how you said you you'd only watch like one or two at a time of Zoe and then have to take a break. Like I'm like that with all shows. Like I find that I can't watch like more than let's say four max in a day because I'm like I have to. I have to spread this out. Like, I need time to, to digest what I'm watching. Well, listen, there are some shows for me where I watch them and I'm like, I just have to know what happens in the next episode. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, like, go for it right away. Mm-hmm. But I, di- I don't get that vibe with Zoe. So, no. not for me. <laughs> I think I just miss, like, I think I just miss, like, an era of network television that is, like, over where it was, like, you could you like you wanted to wait that full week to watch the next episode like you didn't have this like constant need to watch everything now and have everything at your fingertips well we've said I'm, before there's the appeal of like that anticipation you know yeah and like letting the show and the characters grow with you and i find that like i find that like starting any new show any any television series is like an invitation to grow over time with these characters and that, like, like that's why when like long running shows go off the air it's very it's, it's very emotional yeah yeah it's very emotional because you've grown up with them or you've grown with them like you've gone through your own life changes as they went through the, their life changes so it's like starting any tv show i find is an invitation 
to you know get to know these characters and grow with them so i but i and i find that i'm not going to say netflix you know ruined that but i find that when you release a full season at a time and it's like everyone can watch it like immediately and i want more and it's all up for grabs at your fingertips just kind of defeats the purpose a little bit you know well said <laughs> um Okay, last thing we wanted to talk about was fucking David fucking Sutcliffe. And his tweets. And his tweets. So, do you want me to read them? Yes, please. Give give, give us some backstory. Yeah, so the first one I saw was... Um, I don't even remember why I saw it or how. Do we follow him on, on the podcast account? Hell no. <laughs> okay. That's Fuck good, because he, he, might, he might block us. Well, fine. Um, so it was the, the first thing I saw was him telling the governor of California to open the beaches. Yeah. Which is like already. Okay. A little. I was like, all right, I I see you, David. And then that's when I, I tweeted, I was like, David Sutcliffe out here showing us that he can be shittier than his character. Way to go. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I started, I went down the rabbit hole, I guess. Where he was just, he just tweets fucking weird shit. So (laughs) I share them with everyone, but I'm going to share them again. You can't trust your mind to know the truth, but you can teach your body to know how it feels. Uh, I'm very, like, I'm very put off by all of these tweets. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but it's just, it's very off-putting. Yeah. I don't, but I don't even know what that means. I don't like. I don't know if if all of these tweets are in reference to the pandemic or lockdown. But if they well, are, if we if we're, if we're meant to read them in that context, um, yikes. Like, if you're telling me during a pandemic, then I can't that I can't trust my mind to know the truth. Hold on. <laughs> like, what does that mean? I don't, like, I'm not, again, we, we don't know for sure that, that he's talking about the pandemic, but I feel like he, it I mean, has to be somewhere. I mean, he tweeted on the 8th of May, so, like. Yeah, I feel like, I, I feel like it has to be in there somewhere. But. You want me to share another one? Yes, please. Let me find one. Waking up is painful, people. If you're defensive, angry, agitated, in despair, you're on your way. That's okay. That's definitely about quarantine and and the pandemic. Like I, I love how somebody just 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 commented, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> like David, you're fucking ridiculous. People are laughing at you. I think I think like he he's definitely talking about you know quarantine and and lockdown. But like the fact that he tweeted that like the, you know the California governor needs to reopen the beaches. Like I feel like that kind of shows us where he stands, and he might kind of be identifying with these you know um protesters who like i said are you know confusing um inconvenience with oppression so yeah. Yeah. i think more i think more or less he's kind of he's trying to be philosoph- philosophical rather I mean, <laughs> apparently he's like a new age coach guy and didn't someone on Instagram try to explain that to you? Yeah, so somebody on Instagram, which I really appreciate you, girl, you tried to explain it to me because I was like, what the fuck? Like, I was genuinely confused. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> but like, so here, whatever. Um, 
So she writes, he's super new wave now. It's like breaking the cycle of codependency. The collective is going to, quote unquote, banish you. And I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. You're making it worse. I don't. (laughs) No, and then she's like, and then she tells me, like, you're going to be alone if you're the one that's sticking up for people or enlightened versus the mass public following things unknowingly a la 1984 type of thing. Like, most people are sleepwalking through life. And if you're woke, most people are going to grind on you. And then she writes, hopefully that makes more sense. But I feel you. <laughs> it doesn't, sweetie. And then I, but thank and I you. Her, I wrote to her, makes sense, but doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thank you. But I'm still confused. I'm still confused. I kind of get what she's trying to say. Like, when she said the 1984 thing, I kind of get it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just fucking weird. No, it's weird. And I think... We can. I think we can probably confirm that the other tweets that we read before are in, you know, in reference to the pandemic. And I think, I don't know. I guess we're, we're, we, you know, we're chipping away at nothing here. But, okay, but wait, 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 wait. <laughs> this one, I think for sure, is about like quarantine. Yeah. Right? Most conspiracies are unspoken, unconscious contracts between people of shared interests. Break the contract and face banishment, social isolation. They exist in every group, every institution, including your family. The fuck? <laughs> I'm more, I'm even more confused now. Oh dear. Um, David, the mask has been ripped off. Chaos, chaos reveals the truth. A reckoning is coming. Evolve or get left behind. Yeah, to me, to me, I'm sorry. The only way that I can interpret that is. Um, you're siding with people who are who are choosing to, you know, ignore social distancing rules, ignore the fact that we're in a that there's a, there's a global pandemic, and just live life as if it's everything's fine, because we're you know we're ripping off the mask, so to speak. And I'm like, okay. Um, Listen, here's the thing. I understand. Like, look, not I understand. I mean, like, I understand what you're saying. Maybe it's in the context of social isolation, like uh, quarantine, and like whatever. But it still doesn't fucking make any sense. Number no. one. And number two, I don't even know if it's in response to quarantine because it's so batshit crazy. <laughs> it's true, like, though. What? I don't even. And, like... then, and then he retweeted this video of a stork. Okay. Yeah. And like the video is kind of graphic, but like it's they're animals, right? Like I don't pretend yeah. to know how like animals work. So the it's the the Twitter account is nature is scary, and the video the caption on the video says stork mother throwing one of her chicks out of the nest to enhance the survival probability of her other chicks. Okay, and in the video it's kind of graphic, like she beaks the fucking chick, like she kills it, right? Mm-hmm. So then he writes, storks are pro-choice apparently. Um. Like David, do you have a fucking uterus? <laughs> it's not pro-choice it's murder but whatevs yeah he, what um, did was like he killed the baby that's not what abortion is I think, we, I think we've uh, you know descended, descended into definitely problematic territory here what do you think yo I don't know what the fuck he's saying like, like, I, like I don't even I, know how to interpret that like how how pro like how do you make a video about that into pro-choice like, right that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know how his mind leaped, leapt, whatever. 
Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And then we got a question from somebody saying, have you guys ever considered inviting David on your podcast and ask him like about his tweets? Bitch, hell no. <laughs> um, wait a minute. Wait a minute, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you actually, a person wanted to know if we we're going to invite him on our podcast of all people. I'm gonna have to echo your sent your second sec- blah, blah, blah. I'm gonna have to echo your sentiment of no, never in a million years. Like, I don't even know what I would ask the man. <laughs> if he would even, like, you know, oh, agree. Is you okay? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> is you okay? That's funny. <laughs> is you okay? Like, what the? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, none of this makes sense. Then he's, like, he, he, he retweeted a video of, like, apparently in Singapore, they have these, like, robots policing the parks. hmm And they've made it, like, it has four legs and it walks, but somebody's controlling it, right? Yeah. Because, you know, we're social distancing, so, like, they don't want to, they want to police in a way that's, like, safe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, the government is not to fucking justify their decisions to you, but anyways... Um, and he wrote, I thank God for cowboy for the cowboys who will pull out their gun and blast this thing to holy hell. Um, okay. That's, uh, interesting. I'm still very confused. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I don't know. We're what very he's... confused. I don't know. And, like, his Twitter profile is just, like, wait up, let me get it up here. <laughs> Says facilitator, coach, filmmaker. It's very luminous. Wow, I can put fucking words too. <laughs> uh, amazing. Like, what do you want? What? Why he has a website? Oh Jesus. <laughs> I think we should, uh, you know, just. Hi, I'm David Sutcliffe. I practice core energetics, a powerful somatic psychotherapy. Who is qualifying you to be a psychotherapist? That will help you understand and integrate the unresolved emotional trauma keeping you from being fully alive and engaged with life. I'm done. Oh, my God. I'm fucking done. I'm very disturbed. I'm done. <laughs> like, imagine going to... I'm going to sound kind of bitter right now. and it, But imagine going to, you know, the guy who played Christopher on Gilmore Girls for your psychotherapy. Like... Yeah. I'd like to like I'd like to see his qualifications first. Yeah, I don't I don't even know. Well, show me your diploma. <laughs> and if you could, I'd like I'd like you to see my face right now, which is very cringe like. I I don't even. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what to say. Like I don't look I'm not one to judge people. Right. Normally. <laughs> mhm. But, like, when you're saying shit like that that makes absolutely no sense, or I shouldn't say it makes no sense. Like, it makes no sense to me, so maybe I am judging. I don't know. Maybe I have to rethink everything. I think we can allow ourselves to judge now. Let's just, you know, throw away all barriers. I mean, I would like somebody to explain it to me. (laughs) I think that person on Instagram tried their best, but we're still very confused. I mean, yeah, but... I don't know. (laughs) I don't get it. <laughs> okay, I don't know. In conclusion, but also we're very confused. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. If you know what the fuck he's talking about, let us know. Yes. 
I don't um, <laughs> say anymore. Well, do you know what to say? I don't. Right. But before we end this lovely part two of quarantine queries, I wanted to bring up an email that we received a yeah, while ago. I know which one. Yes, um, from Michelle Erickson, who wanted to tell us a theory that she has regarding Gilmore Girls and Disney's Aladdin. For real, when I saw the subject, I was like, I don't know how this is going to (laughs) go. But I I, I think her theory has, you know, some validity. And I thought we would discuss our thoughts and opinions on what she has to say. So Hi. she wrote, "Hi guys, you mentioned that you never get any emails, so I thought you so I thought I'd send you one. You're right. We no, we don't get very many emails, so thank, thank you. you. Um I've been thinking about this for a while and I and I need to put it out in the unit I need to put it out there into the Gilmore Girls universe. I was watching Aladdin recently, the original animated version. As I was watching it, I realized that Aladdin reminds me of Jess. When I said it out loud, my husband could not have rolled his eyes any harder. But just hear me out. Below, please find a list of extremely valid reasons. <laughs> I like how she's validating herself. You go, girl. Yes. So she wrote that they're both born on the wrong side of the tracks slash have tough childhoods. Mm-hmm. They both fall in love with a princess. And she's, in, she's interpreting Rory as the princess of Stars Hollow. Okay. Um, they're both troublemakers. They're both independent. They're both charming when they want to be. They both wear vests. <laughs> <laughs> and short in brackets, Aladdin is shirtless and Jess is puffy. <laughs> oh, okay. um, and then with several check marks next to it, she wrote roguishly handsome. I mean, she's not wrong. Yes, I'll have to. I'll, <laughs> me of all people, Michelle, I definitely agree. So... Um, then she writes, I think this evidence speaks for itself. I rest my case. What do you guys think? So what do we think? Jeffrey, what do you think? Um, I think I've never, like, I never thought of it that way before. Like, I never, I never, like, sat down and thought to myself, like, hmm, Jess reminds me of Aladdin. But now that she pointed out all these really valid points, I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I would ever compare Gilmore Girls to a fairy tale, but like if we break it down like she did, I think it kind of works that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know what the other similarities are though. Like, I would never think of something like this myself, so I think kudos to her for that. Yes. And I mean, if it just came to you while you were watching a lot, and even more kudos, because what the fuck. <laughs> I think like in terms of we're impressed is what I think but yeah and I think I'm not gonna say like um I could ever I don't think I could ever picture like the character of Jess as Aladdin I think I can picture like Aladdin as Jess if that makes sense you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah kind of but I know I know like Jess would never change himself or present something that he's not true to, to, to be with the princess of Stars Hollow. Like, and, Jess was very forthcoming with her from the beginning. Yeah, and, like, Jess kind of, like, no bullshit. And, like like you said, he wouldn't he wouldn't go through such an elaborate scheme to become the prince that the princess needed, you know? Yeah. I think he did try his hardest in season three to, like, be the kind of guy that Roy was used to. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, in the beginning, he never pretended... 
to be this good. Like he was always himself um, with her in the beginning, you know, like still pulling his pranks and whatever. I think once they got together, yeah, for sure. He tried to change to be better for her. Mm hmm. Um, the vest thing, I'm sorry, just made me laugh so much. <laughs> I never thought of that. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, the vest thing, though, was so funny because I picture Aladdin, like, in my head. Didn't we fucking find it weird that he never wore a shirt? I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, um, you know, cite Aladdin, the cartoon, as their first childhood crush. So I'm not going to take that away from them. I get that. <laughs> like, have you ever seen Aladdin? Like, I don't know who did this, but, like, the version of Aladdin with no clothes on? No. Okay, you should Google it. <laughs> it's really funny. Actually, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I was in high school, one of my friends found this, like, I think it was on Vine, which is, unfortunately, doesn't exist anymore. Fucking bastards. I love Vine. <laughs> but I think it was, like, a, a series of Vines that someone made where it was, like, putting dirty, like, lyrics behind scenes, behind scenes from Aladdin. Okay. So there was one where it was like uh, it was like um, Aladdin on Jasmine's balcony, uh-huh. and like he's trying to like you know convince her to you know give him the time of day, I guess. And someone dubbed over the scene with like these really I don't know I don't know where the lyrics are from or what it's from. Maybe the person just made it up. But it was like Jasmine, I know you want this dick. Like it was <laughs> like it was a lot. And then it ended with like you know how. Um, what's the Jasmine's tiger? What's his name? Raja. Raja, yeah. Um, he like kind of tries to scare Aladdin off the balcony. Yeah. And so they put that at the end of the clip, and it's like he and Aladdin is saying, "Not that kind of pussy. Not not that kind of pussy." <laughs> so very dirty for Disney, but uh, ultimately. But, yeah, but people are very creative. You have to admit. Yes, and especially, and I feel like the creativity that was born on Vine has now. Oh my god, it's never been un like matched that creativity. No, and I think like that that that's kind of what I was gonna say. It, it's kind of been revived, so to speak, on TikTok. Yeah. Which I haven't downloaded. and don't. No, I've never done. Da- I haven't downloaded, but people show me things on TikTok. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I chuckle and like whatever. Sometimes it's funny. Like there's a lot of there's like this new trend of like people like um putting the the voices from another video and like recreating the scene kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like, it's funny, but, like, Vine, to me, will always be fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, I, feel, I still go on YouTube sometimes and try and find my favorite Vines. Because, feel, yeah. yeah, go ahead, sorry. I feel like Vine, I was going to say, I feel like Vine is one of those unique things that, is, that only if you were, like, around when it was popular do you understand, like, the art form, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Um... <laughs> Anyways, um, I just sent you something also um, <laughs> on your phone. Yes, I'm looking at it. It's very disturbing. It's fucking disturbing, isn't it? <laughs> it's, just, it's you know, uh, cartoon Aladdin next to naked cartoon Aladdin. And now I'm done with the phone. Okay, we're done. Put it down. <laughs> um, is there anything else we wanted to say? Um, I don't think so. I think we, I think I wanted to let them know. We wanted, we wanted to let them know that um, season three is on the way. It's on its way. It's my fault that it has. It's not here yet. It's okay though, because we're all kind of, we're all kind of, you know, unmotivated fr- by the pandemic. So we're taking some time to rest. Yeah. Not that um, we need more of that, but. Right. But I feel like <laughs> everyone's just so tired lately that 
Like, even though we've been doing nothing, it's just very tiring. I feel so, like, lethargic. Like, I just can't bring myself to do anything. It's just very difficult. I wake up in the mornings, I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck is happening anymore. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I don't know fuck about shit, so. <laughs> um, but, yes, it is coming eventually. Um, we have no plans to abandon the podcast. Yes, so keep your eyes open for that. We will let you know in advance when it yeah. when it's happening. Um, shout out to all the nurses today because it's Nurses Day. Ah, uh, yes, it is. Well, it's nurses Week this week, but today is Nurses Day, apparently. Mm-hmm. So all the nurses that I work with and that we don't work with and all around the world keeping us safe. Thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Mother. <laughs> mother. <laughs> and, um, please be safe. Yes. Please and shout out to Michelle for her lovely email. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. Actually, I wanted to shout somebody else, too. Hold on, hold on. Hold, <laughs> hold on. the phone. Hold the phone. Where is she? Okay, so it's um, somebody that we've gotten quite a few um, like replies from. Remember Aditi? Yes. Yeah, so Aditi also has a... Um, um, she's also an artist. And she makes some really beautiful stuff. Um, so we're going to post that on our um, page on our story because honestly like I wish I could fucking draw <laughs> yes um, I've seen some of it and she's very talented yeah no she's really great and um yeah she's kind enough like after every episode almost like always comments on our stuff <laughs> like <she's really laughs> so and we've had quite a few conversations with her and she's really really sweet um so thank you to Aditi yes, and She's the one. She's the one who said our 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 accents are adorable, right? Which made us chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, girl. Um, but yeah, her stuff is really really great. Um, I just posted a, a picture that I made of of nurses as superheroes. Very rudimentary compared <laughs> <with that laughs> to Aditi stuff. Um, so yeah, shout out to Aditi for that. Thank you very much for always uh, always coming by to chat with us. And for all of your unwavering support. Yes, always, always. So we hope you're all doing well. Listen to the government, unless your government's fucking stupid. And, yes, um, yeah, stay safe. And where can they follow us? Gilmore Girls Podcast. On Instagram. And Gilmore Podcast. On Twitter. I let him fill out those parts because I always confuse them. <laughs> you got it right this time. Did I? I think, you know, yeah, they'll find us. <laughs> they'll find us, <laughs> You know who we are. Yes, and, and they can uh, email if us. if you like the podcast, you can go rate it on iTunes and comments yes. and review it. Um, really, like, we don't get anything out of it. It's just so more people can find us so we could spread the joy. Yes, please. So rate us, um, tweet us, um, you know, all of the social medias. <laughs> all of them. As you choose, you can email us, gilmorepodcast at gmail.com with your fan theories like Michelle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon, guys. Stay safe. <laughs>